Hello and welcome to my podcast, Secret Cities for Toriosity.com. I'm Georgia and today I'm going to round off my series on Rome by talking to you about the man who arguably made Rome, well, look like Rome, the one and only Gian Lorenzo Bernini, the Baroque heir to the mighty Michelangelo Buonarroti of the Renaissance. The two maestros were separated by a gap of over 30 years. They had much in common, as well as some fundamental differences. Michelangelo died in 1564, at the ripe old age of 89. Bernini was born in 1598 and died 81 years later. Both were exceptionally long-lived for the era. Both had such talent in sculpture, painting, architecture, that their work came to define their age, Both men had a superhuman work ethic, as well as famously fierce tempers. However, Bernini was much more of a schmoozer than Michelangelo. He was popular at papal and royal courts alike. He knew how to charm his patrons, unlike the misanthropic Bonarotti who was perpetually at loggerheads with them. Bernini was also very much a ladies' man. He eventually married at 41 and sired 11 children. Buonarroti, on the other hand, preferred men, as you'll know from my previous podcasts. You can't miss Bernini's impact on Rome. You'll find him literally everywhere, from St. Peter's Basilica to piazzas like Navona and Barberini. You'll find his statues littering churches and palazzos throughout Rome, and indeed Italy and the continent. You'll also find his famous early statues on the ground floor of the Villa Borghese, keeping those gorgeous Caravaggio's company. In this podcast... I'm going to talk a little about some of Bernini's most famous works in Rome and reveal, of course, one or two of his secrets. From previous podcasts, you already know about the Fountain of the Four Rivers at Piazza Navona and the Elephant by the Pantheon. From my podcast about Caravaggio, you also know much about the Villa Borghese and the Borghese family. Pope Paul V Borghese and his nephew Cardinal Scipione Borghese were also two of Bernini's most important early patrons. To recap, they were a nouveau riche banking family from Siena, who rose through the ranks of the Roman aristocracy, finally landing the coveted papacy in 1605. Scipioni was a cultured man of the world, dedicated to stamping the Borghese seal across the Eternal City. Wherever you see the rather pot-bellied dragon and eagle, you'll know that that church or fountain or whatever was commissioned by the Borghese's, and most probably by the family magpie, the rotund and jovial Scipioni. You can actually see a lifelike marble bust of him in the Villa Borghese. He commissioned Bernini to sculpt his likeness. At the end of this arduous process, Bernini, and indeed the cardinal, were dismayed to find a crack running through the marble. According to his youngest son and first biographer, Domenico, Bernini worked tirelessly for three days and nights to sculpt an identical second one. Both now stand in the villa and proudly flank three self-portraits in oil of the maestro Bernini himself. And of course it meant that Scipioni got two busts for the price of one. Scipioni had a keen eye for art and would regularly visit the workshops of artists looking out for the next artistic protégé. This he found in the young Gian Lorenzo Bernini, son of the maestro Pietro Bernini. Indeed, on a table just along from the famous busts, you'll find Bernini's earliest known statue of the baby's use with the goat Amorthea and a fawn, done when the artist was around 11 or 12 years old. 
While it isn't the most amazing statue you've ever seen, it is mind-blowing that a 12-year-old achieved it. Benini is famous for the movement and drama in his statues and busts. One scholar described Bernini as the Shakespeare of sculpture, and he became famous throughout Europe. An aristocrat worth his salt wanted a coveted Bernini bust in his residence, and you'll find them in stately homes and palaces across the continent. One of his most famous and compelling busts, however, was of his lover, Costanza Bonarelli, which is now on display at the Bargello Museum in Florence. Costanza was the wife of Maffeo Bonarelli, who was one of Benini's workshop assistants. From the sensuous beauty of her face, the swept-away hair, the slightly undone chemise and slightly open mouth, you can tell that Benini's affair with Costanza was passionate indeed. He clearly adored her. The bust itself looks like it might have even been sculpted prior or after uh, relations. But the affair was to meet an infamously violent end as we shall discover a little bit later. Four rooms on the ground floor of the Villa Borghese contain five of Bernini's extraordinary statues. All bar one was sculpted while still in his twenties. The statues are of Aeneas escaping the burning city of Troy with his father and son. It is a single piece of marble, and some say it is a rather scandalous allegory of the relationship between the powerful Cardinal Scipioni propping up his weakling older uncle, the Pope. Then there follows my favourite statue of all time, the Rape of Persephone. It is an astounding composition, with the muscular Hades throwing the poor Persephone over his shoulder as he whisks her off to the underworld to have his wicked way with her. Supporting the figures is the three-headed dog Cerberus, these days more commonly known as Fluffy in the first Harry Potter book. The way to view Bernini's statues is to start at the back. So, look down to the dog's head on the left and follow his gaze round as you walk around the statue and the story of it reveals itself. The middle dog's head gazes upward, so follow that gaze and you'll see one of the most mesmerising accomplishments in marble ever created. Hades' hand is pressing into the soft flesh of Persephone's thigh. Yet, it is Carrara marble, not soft flesh. I could look at it forever. The next room contains the famous Apollo and Daphne. And again, as you enter the room, try not to look at the statue in the centre, but make your way round to the back of it and start there. It looks like Apollo is running into a tree. And then, as you start to walk around it, the statue reveals its story. The tree is, in fact... Also, the nymph, Daphne, in the process of metamorphosing into a laurel tree so as to escape the lusty attentions of Apollo. This is where your guide can explain more about the story and Benini's expertise, the way he sculpted it, and the Baroque obsession with stories from Ovid's Metamorphoses, which were, of course, entirely suited to Bernini's dramatic style and his ability to encapsulate movement in marble. Your guide can also uh, help to explain the cryptic meaning of the inscription beneath, which reads, Who pants for fleeting beauty, vain pursuit, shall barren leaves obtain, or bitter fruit. And then finally, there is Bernini's statue of David. He couldn't be more different from Michelangelo's. 
Bernini's David is much smaller for a start and dramatically depicted in the moment just before he releases the stone from his catapult that will, as we know, fell the giant Goliath. This is the moment that David is vulnerable. He doesn't know whether he will win or die. He's discarded the armour that King Saul had given him, which conveniently serves as the base of the statue. Look a little bit more closely at it, and you'll see that the armour has scales like a dragon, and the lyre has an eagle's head. It's, of course, the coat of arms of the Borghese. Look at David's handsome face, the forehead frowning with concentration, the lips taut. This is a self-portrait of the young Gian Lorenzo Bernini, and the rumour is that his good friend and admirer, Cardinal Matteo Barberini, who had later become Pope Urban VIII and Bernini's greatest and most loyal patron, held the mirror for him as he sculpted. Sounds rather romantic if you ask me. You'll notice too that this is in fact the first Christian statue in the villa of this Catholic cardinal. The others all stem from pagan stories. But Bernini's work is inextricably linked with the Catholic Church. St. Peter's Basilica, with Michelangelo's mighty dome and the Pietà inside, and of course Bernini's famous gargantuan symmetrical colonnades. And inside the basilica, his baldacchino over the altar. And indeed so much of what is inside the basilica was designed by Bernini. St. Peter's is the most important church for Catholics the world over, and along with the Colosseum, the most famous and recognised building and symbol of Rome. It is the Pope's church, it is the heart of the Vatican, and a monumental shrine to St. Peter, the first Pope who was buried there. St. Peter's is built on a mind-bogglingly vast scale, a monument to celebrate not only Christian beliefs, but also to glory in the artistic talent of the golden period of the Renaissance and Baroque. It is also a stark reminder of corruption within the papacy at the time, for it was funded by the sale of indulgences. This, it turns out, were Martin Luther's number one bugbear against the church. So in many ways, it is also one of the major causes of the Protestant Reformation against the very institution it has come to symbolise. The scale, majesty and beauty of St Peter's is eye-watering. The façade by Moderno was commissioned by the Borghese family, as you can see from the inscription. But the interior baldacchino by Bernini, which is a canopy of the altar, was commissioned by the Barberini Pope Urban VIII, the baldachin is modelled on the pillars of the Temple of Solomon and is made of solid bronze. The pillars are 66 feet high. In its entirety, the baldachin is 98 feet tall and cost a whopping 200,000 scudi, which is around 8 million US dollars in today's currency. Where did all those hundreds of tonnes of bronze come from, I hear you ask? Why, the outside of one of the most gorgeous and impressive ancient monuments of Rome, of course, that bronze was pinched from the outside of the Pantheon on the orders of the Pope. For that reason, it was quoted in Rome on the speaking statue, the Pasquino near Piazza Navona. What the barbarians didn't do to Rome, the Barberini Pope did. If you can, go right on up to the Balkan, as there are some rather bizarre engravings at the base of the four pillars. Depicting a woman's face above the shield of bumblebees that was the Barberini coat of arms, as you walk around, you'll notice the shield starts off being very full and rounded and gets flatter as you walk around. Also, take note of the changing facial expression of the woman. She's going through labour. 
Apparently, the Pope's niece, which is possibly code word for mistress, was expecting a child, and Bernini engraved this as a, a message of auspiciousness for her. Kind of weird to have it, though, on the baldachin over St Peter's grave. But it is surely the impressive colonnades of St Peter's for which Bernini is most famous. They flank the basilica, two semicircles of giant columns, four deep, welcoming you to Mother Church like a pair of arms embracing her pilgrims. The square has an obelisk at its centre, with two majestic fountains on either side. Between the obelisk and the fountain, you'll find a round roll on the cobbles, marking the place where you should stand to view the colonnades. From that point, you can witness the utterly breathtaking architectural trompe l'oeil Benigni achieved. From that spot, it looks like there is only one row of columns, not four. Step off the round roll, just even a fraction, and the pillars behind appear again. Bernini's relationship with St Peter's Basilica was not all plain sailing and uninterrupted glory, however. The Pamphili Pope, Innocent X, preferred Bernini's bitter rival, Francesco Borromini. Whilst Bernini was engaged on the construction of the two bell towers on either side of the façade, a crack appeared. Bernini's enemies were, of course, quick to pile the blame squarely on the maestro. He was sacked and retired into a deep depression, publicly disgraced. It was during these six months of unemployment and shame that he began to carve a statue now in the Villa Borghese. It was his kind of midlife crisis, and it's called Truth Revealed by Time. Bernini was sure it was nothing to do with his design that had caused those cracks, Several years later, there was an investigation and it was proved that it was Moderno's poor foundations for the facade that had indeed caused the crack and Bernini was finally vindicated, but at great personal loss of face at the time. Bernini's art showed his passionate nature as well as his skill, combining his knowledge of architecture with sculpture and light. Go to a church near Piazza della Repubblica called Santa Maria della Vittoria to witness the ecstasy of St. Teresa. It is a sensuous evocation of that medieval Spanish mystic and nun's experience of divine ecstasy. A smiling cherub holding a golden arrow that will pierce her heart. The Spanish ambassador commented rather crudely on Teresa's expression. I've seen that look of ecstasy before. And indeed, I've always felt Benigni's St. Teresa bears more than a passing resemblance to the bust of his lover, Costanza Bonarelli. One less commonly known mark left by Bernini is in the cobblestones around the obelisk at St. Peter's Basilica. Now, these cobblestones have been made famous by Dan Brown's book, Angels and Demons. You'll see those personifications of the winds. You'll see all those different stone cobbles, green serpentine cobbles, and precious purple porphyry cobbles. As I mentioned earlier, Bernini had had an unrequited and passionate affair with the wife of one of his workers, Costanza was a beauty, and Bernini was obsessive about her. Perhaps she felt powerless to resist Bernini, her husband's boss. Perhaps her husband even encouraged her to cuckold him, believing it would lead to some sort of promotion or pay rise. From my perspective, it seems that Costanza had little choice but to accept Bernini as a lover. But was it what she wanted? At some point during their affair, Bernini had grown suspicious and jealous and one night camped outside her house in a hiding place. At daybreak, he saw her open the door and bid farewell to a lover with a kiss. That man 
was Bernini's very own brother, Luigi. Bernini was seized with a furious rage and bitter envy and ordered his manservant to cut Costanza's face to ribbons with razor blades while he pursued his brother and beat him to within an inch of his life with an iron crowbar. His brother took refuge in the Basilica Santa Maria Maggiore while Bernini bashed against the doors. The actions of that day were to have terrible ramifications for poor Costanza and indeed Luigi. Her face mutilated, her reputation shamed, She was then imprisoned for adultery and fornication. Luigi was exiled to Bologna. And Bernini? Bernini was fined a paltry 3,000 scudi, which was in fact waived by the Pope, who instead insisted he marry forthwith. And so, at 41 years old, Bernini was wed to the beautiful Caterina Tezio, with whom he had 11 children. I'll leave it to you all to make your own judgments about these events. However... Whilst Bernini avoided punishment, when his rage had died down, it seems he was filled with anguish and remorse, as so he should have been. And in this state of remorse, he went to St Peter's Square and engraved in one of the purple porphyry cobblestones a heart with a great slash through it, breaking it in two, as though cut by a razor. I'm not going to tell you where it is, you're going to have to try and find it for yourselves, but... It's in one of the cobblestones that surrounds the obelisk in the centre of uh, St Peter's Square, Bernini's broken heart. And so Gian Lorenzo Bernini lived a life of contrasts, of passion, of artistic and architectural brilliance. While most artists floundered in the shadow of Michelangelo, Bernini became his worthy heir. Temperamentally, he seemed urbane, witty, charismatic, charming and popular, But, as the tragedy of Costanza shows, he too had a dark and macabre side to his nature. He even burnt his leg while looking in the mirror so he could accurately capture the look of agony for his statue of the martyrdom of St Lawrence, who was grilled alive. At 81 years old, Bernini died in 1680, a month before his birthday, in Rome, and he's buried in the church of Santa Maria Maggiore, or St Mary Major, the very church in which his brother sought refuge from his crowbar. He's the only artist to be buried in one of the major papal basilicas of Rome, a testament to his importance to the city, for whom he created over 2,000 pieces of work. I'm sure you will fall in love with the complex Byroness Bernini as much as I have when you come to visit. Do get in touch at toriosity.com and if you want to hear more from me at georgiadarrell.co.uk. Stay tuned for my Christmas special next time.